I'm Bill Finn. You may remember me from other popular podcasts like This American Lice, Daycare Disasters, and The Crafty Brewtown Strangler, The Limited Edition Killer. Take it from me, a good podcast is like a fine wine, perfect for binging. It's season three of the Bait and Switch Podcast. Welcome back to the Bait and Switch Podcast. My name is Jim Martin with a very special episode tonight. Today we have our annual Tour de France podcast. We gather several cycling enthusiasts for our panel and we give a little preview of the tour. So uh, joining us on our panel tonight, we have former pro cyclist, two-time winner of the U.S. National Road Race Championships, 2014 Tour de France participant, one of only nine Americans entered that year, and most importantly, Wauwatosa native, Matthew Boucher is with us tonight. We also have one-time spectator of the Tour de France, <laughs> longtime host of NPR's Lake Effect here in Milwaukee, and current station manager at North Country Public Radio in Canton, New York, Mitch Tyke is with us. Hey. We have our, our third participant in our panel is another Wauwatosa native, uh, extreme marble racing expert and cycling enthusiast, Will Beyer is here with us. Hi, Will. Hello. And last but not least, we have the co-host of the Bait and Switch podcast, also one-time spectator of the tour and longtime cycling enthusiast, Chris Beyer. Welcome, gentlemen. Big pleasure to be here. This is the third time, right? You've been here every time, right? Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, is this actually, uh, is this my fifth or sixth time on the podcast? This is number uh, six. For, first one via Zoom. So, yeah. so the first topic, uh, we're going to talk to Matthew. In this environment with uh, the coronavirus going on, how excited or apprehensive would you be as an athlete participating in the tour with everything going on right now? Um, if I was, you know, in the athlete's shoes, I'd probably feel differently. But from where I sit right now, I mean, you won't find me riding in a group. Mm -hmm. I would have trouble uh, doing it, you know, even for the biggest race in the world. Yeah. Obviously, there's tremendous financial pressures on these teams Right. to get the races going. Yeah, isn't uh, CCC uh, shutting down? Yeah, you've been on the other side of it. You've seen how the financial pressures of these teams are. I'm sure they're desperate to get this race going. Um, yeah, there's a lot of pressure from sponsors. It's a very challenging sport in that regard with fighting for sponsorship each year and riders fighting for contracts. I'd say it's a pretty like insecure sport, if that's one way to describe it, whereas... American football or baseball or whatever, like, you know, there's no doubt that the New York Yankees is still going to be around next year. Or as far as COVID goes, I would I'd be pretty hesitant to, uh, to be out there with 150 of my closest friends. Yeah. Sure. Right. I'm going to ask you guys, because you guys are all much more into cycling than I am, but being such a niche sport, do you think they have to worry about losing fan base? Part of me feels like, yeah, maybe they do. But another part of me feels like it's such a niche sport that people who really enjoy it, really enjoy it. And, and they're going to come back to it, you know, no matter what. What do you guys think? I think the, the fans that turn out along the race route for the Tour or the Giro in Italy or the Vuelta in Spain, they're cycling fans and they're cyclists themselves. And, uh, and the ones who aren't cyclists themselves see the race as part of their culture. And so... 
I don't know that they'd have to worry too much about the fans not showing up next year if the tour ceased to exist this year. But at the same time, I mean, the tour is the biggest race in the UCI calendar. I mean, there, there might be some that are more important to the cyclists themselves, but the stature of the tour, I think it's just, it's, it's an icon and it's why they're trying to run this race or they're trying to ride this race no matter what. And uh, I think the only thing standing in the way is if there's a sudden spike in, in COVID cases in France and, uh, and there's you know, sort of a massive shutdown of the country. Sure. That makes sense. With that, let's jump right into the main narrative regarding this year's tour. The battle between the super teams, Yumbo versus the Ineos, the team which has won seven of the last eight tours, right? So uh, which team has the upper hand and who will be the team leader for each team? And I'll just go around and pick. Will, why don't you start us off? Um, personally, I think uh, this year, Yumbo was a bit stronger than Ineos. Earlier in the races this year, uh, Bernal, which is the favorite for Ineos, has seemed quite lacking. And uh, Roglic, which I think is the favorite for Yumbo, has done pretty well. Obviously, okay. you've got a better supporting cast for Yumbo as well. you got Bennett, Dumoulin, Kurzweig, which is a question now. He crashed and got injured, so I don't know if he'll be joining, but you got a lot of helpers. And Ineos, I, I just don't see him being as much of a dominant force in the mountains. Okay. How about you, Mitch? I think I know better than to count Ineos out. I think um, every year I've, uh, the last few years, I've looked at Ineos, formerly Team Sky, and I thought, well, you know, Chris Froome doesn't really look like he's ha- he has it going into this. He was kind of weak in the Dauphiné, um, and somehow they find a way to get it done. Uh, Ineos is always pretty sharp. I know Egan Bernal hurt his back, apparently, during the Dauphiné, and there's some talk as we're having this conversation that uh, his place might be up in the air, and Richard Carapaz, who uh, won the Vuelta last year, might be taking his place, and he would be a strong contender at the same time i think uh, yeah tom dumoulin looks good i think primo's roglic looks good it's going to be an interesting battle between those two teams i would be hesitant to name a uh, to name a winner just yet because uh, it's still still a couple of weeks off we got the Euro- various european championships happening between now and then we're going to ask you to name a winner at the end of the show here oh Matt. fine all right <laughs> matthew have you been following the the ineos yumbo battle here yeah, I've been following the headlines. You guys pretty much hit everything on the head already. It certainly looks like Jumbo has, you know, has the upper hand right now, but the tour is still a little ways away and the tour's three weeks long. So, you know, everything's about about timing and a team can look really strong and you know, right now that can all flip on its head in in two weeks for the start of the tour as well as, you know, going into the third week of the tour. So, Ineos always seems to do pretty well but it doesn't look like uh it's going to necessarily be you know just a walk in the park for them this year that's for sure hey mitch uh, did bernal uh injured his back in a fall or is it just back pain 
that's a good question. I, I, I'm not 100% sure. I just know he's not 100%. Um, I, he withdrew as a precaution, um, but I know they've talked about not being sure whether he's going to be whether he's going to be ready to start uh, the tour. Of course, they say that, you know, the day after the Dauphiné. So, you know, what he feels like, what he looks like two or three weeks from now is a, it could be an, another story. And to clarify for our listeners, Bernal is last year's champion. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Clarify for me. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you want to chime in on that? The uh, Yomo Enios uh, rivalry there? Well, like I said, that might be news to me in terms of Bernal sitting out. That would be something if, if they had to bring in another guy there. Enios has three former champions on their roster, and two of them, Garrett Thomas and Chris Froome, are really lacking in the buildup to this tour. They're, they're not able to hang on to you know, a relatively large peloton. They're getting dropped. And it's kind of unlike them to, to be showing this kind of form this close to the tour. I wonder if he's going to have significant help from those two guys. There's some other riders that might help him. Karapaz, if he comes on. Sivakov. Yeah, Sivakov is really looking like the strongest domestique. All right. So with that, we're going to move into a little discussion about some of the other contenders and team support for the general classification. So, Chris, how do you think Astanas Lopez will do in his first try at the Tour? Uh, we were, me and Will were watching the Dauphine, and uh, mm-hmm. Lopez didn't look quite as sharp. He wasn't able to hang with a lot of the main competitors. He had a chance to win that race and ended up falling out of the top three or four. I think it's time that he shows himself in the Tour. He's been racing here now for four or five years, and so I think it's a good time to give him a shot. But I'd, maybe I'd put him at a, maybe in the top ten at this point. Okay. Uh, Matthew, do you have any thoughts on Thibaut Pino's chance with his uh, FDJ team? Got to scratch my memory bank, but I mean, last year, I can't remember what uh, what undid him, but I, if I remember correctly, he went from, uh, from I don't know if he won the stage or he won two stages, and then the next day he couldn't even uh, ride the Gruppetto. The guy's tremendously talented. If his team can support him and he can keep it together and stay upright, I think he's had trouble with crashes. He certainly can be a contender if he's healthy and he's and he's fit. You know, he'll be he'll be banging off the front and and uh, you know he's always exciting to you know he's attacking and it's a weird year. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. I mean, right now, it it looks like nobody besides Jumbo is is fit. So <laughs> you you probably raced against Pinot, right? Well, I was in a race with him, you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I'm sure Mitch knows this, and I know this. What happened to Thibaut Pino last year, he was looking very strong and perhaps the second favorite through two weeks, and then he banged his knee against the handlebars. That's right. And he ended up causing a contusion to his knee, and that that's what axed his tour that year. All right, okay. And, and I've banged my knee pretty hard against the steering wheel as I've gotten out of the car. But, uh, <laughs> Not quite the same but, age. Thibaut Pino has always been kind of snake bitten. He had that trouble with descending years ago uh, where, you know, I think the, uh, the analyst said uh, he lost his nerve um, and he seems to have gotten over that. But he's such a strong climber, but he's never sort of been able to, uh, to take it quite to that next level. Although he won... Um, he won a classic last year, right? Two years ago, he won Lombardy. Okay. Mitch, how about Pojakar and his UAE team? He's a strong rider. 
he reminds me a little of Primoz Roglic, but maybe that's just because he's difficult to spell or pronounce. He is definitely sort of in the next generation of guys who will challenge for the GC. I expected him to do better in the Dauphiné. You know, over the course of a three-week tour, it's anybody's guess, uh, but I would say, and and I'll probably eat my words now, but uh, I would say he's still one, two, maybe three years from being a true contender in the tour. Okay. Well, what do you think about Emmanuel Buchmann and the Bora team? Well, Buchmann did have a crash at the Dauphiné, so I think him appearing at uh, Tour de France is very questionable. He did get fourth last year in a kind of stealthy uh, top five. But um, for the rest of Bora, they might bring Meka, a good Polish climber. Never really gotten a good result in the Tour. And uh, there's a new upcoming young climber named Kamna, and he, he won a stage at the Dauphiné. So I think GC is questionable for Bora, but they, they could go for some stages. My daughter would like to uh, ask Will then if he's going to be the Bora expert tonight, whether uh, whether he thinks either Gregor Muehlberger or Patrick Conrad might uh, take uh, Emmanuel Buchmann's place on Bora or whether they're more likely to end up in the Giro or the Vuelta. Um, I don't really see either of them as GC contenders in the tour, probably uh, for the Giro. I don't see Muehlberger as a GC guy at all. Conrad maybe can get like a top 10 Giro. I think that Buckman is probably going to race the tour. I, the story I read said that his participation is probable, but of course the crash might take it out of him. Did you see the crash that took out Max Jockman at the end of uh, Lombardia? Yeah. Yeah. The car cut in front of him and he hit it. Yeah. Broke the <laughs> collarbone. Hey, Matthew, uh, the, the collarbone is the common cyclist injury. How many times have you cracked one of those? Uh, just one, thankfully. And that was Ooh. before I was pro. I did have one bad crash at Utah, and I ended up sliding feet first on my stomach at about 50 miles an hour and lost a fair bit of skin. Separated, uh, what is it called, an avulsion fracture in my elbow. Um, right. Yeah. Crashing is not fun. I remember sitting in the <laughs> on the pavement uh, and then in the ambulance on the way to the hospital just feeling like I was on fire. It, yeah. Is there too much pressure on pro cyclists to keep riding despite being injured? Uh, no, I don't. You know, I think as an endurance athlete and as a cyclist, you know, you're pretty hardwired that you don't, you don't want to quit. You know, you're not going to quit if you, if you have a choice. You know, when I crashed in Utah, there was, there was no option. I wasn't, I wasn't going anywhere. And I broke my scaphoid once. And the scaphoid is one of those that when you break it, you don't really – you can kind of get by and not realize that you broke it. So I, so I didn't get x-rays or anything. And then at team camp, we went and got an x-ray and it was healing fine. And then at the end of team camp, we started racing uh, in Mallorca and, um, you know, it's notoriously slippery there. And I was going around a left-hand switchback going downhill. There was like a little trickle going across the road in the middle of the switchback. And uh, I went straight down on it and I, I knew immediately and I just hopped in the team car and, Came back to the U.S., picked up the family, newborn son, flew back to Spain. They went to Drona, and I hopped on a plane to Switzerland to go get surgery. So, yeah. Wow. You know, I'd imagine it's one of those things. You get to that level, and these are not guys who just say, like, ah, geez, I think I'm out. You know, <laughs> these are guys who are like yeah. driven constantly their whole lives, you know. So yeah. moving on from Emmanuel Buchmann, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, uh, will last year surprise Julian Alaphilippe? Will he be a factor in the GC this year? I don't think so. Last year, it seemed kind of fluky at first. He was able to keep it upright and stay in the top five, I think. But he said himself that he's probably not a GC guy, and he's going to keep going for stages. I'm not sure who uh, Quick Step's GC guy is going to be this year, but I look for Quick Step to be more of a stage hunting team this year. Yeah. I remember last year talking, I think it was uh, – was it um... – Sylvie, who was saying she thought maybe he had a shot. Anyway, somebody yeah. was saying, yeah. That sounds like Sylvie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, actually, you know, actually, you know what? What it was was Tom Schuler, our guest last year, okay. the okay. professional cyclist, thought that Al Philippe could be a GC man, and I'd never heard anybody say that in the press before. And Tom Schuler kind of called it. He thought that he could be a GC guy, and he surprised us. Okay. Yeah. Matthew, you raced against Nairo Quintana, right? Yeah. Quintana? Quintana. Right again. All right. Matthew, you raced against Nairo Quintana. Uh, where do you see him ending up? He's kind of a wild card for me. You know, I remember his coming out party at uh, Tour Basque Country, and I was kind of like, who is this guy? And that was like, I don't know, 2012 or 13 maybe. And yeah, he's always, he's always kind of been there, uh, but always kind of like faltered under the pressure, uh, never been able to really close it down. And I think maybe his departure from movie star helps his situation. You know, there's always like this, you know, who's the leader, what's going on with the team that, you know, so I think where he's at now, he's kind of like, you know, clearly defined. He's, he's the man, the team's all for him. You know, he's been riding pretty well in this odd season that they've had so far. And, yeah, if he can put it together, he's, you know, he's similar to uh, Pino. You know, he should be a threat. You know, when he has a good day, kind of almost reminds me of like a Pantani-type type rider. Yeah. I suppose it would help if, uh, you know, if he's got a whole team behind him, right? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like maybe that wasn't the case in the past. The team that Nairo was on always had – too many head honchos are all battling, and he's left, and now that leaves Movistar with one less leader. So, Will, who do you think Movistar, uh, will they have a rider in the top 10, the GC this year? Um, I don't know. Valverde, he's been on the team for a while. Valverde always says he's going to be not going to be going for GC, and then he gets sixth. <laughs> he just comes out of nowhere. No one expects the old guy to do well. A uh, new guy, Moss, relatively young, got second at the Vuelta, what, a year or two ago? Two, three years ago, yeah. Yeah. Um, he hasn't really done much special lately, so that's questionable. If they're going to get top ten, I won't be expecting it. Okay, fair enough. Mitch, <laughs> who do you think is going to be leading the EF team? You know, Michael Woods is uh, is a really strong climber. Um, he's done well in a lot of the one day races. I don't know whether EF is taking Michael Woods to the uh, to the tour. Does anybody? I don't think they've been announced yet. I would assume that it probably be one of two riders, either Uran or Danny Martinez, yeah. the recent winner of the Dauphine. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Uh, but whether uh, you know Rigoberto Uran is. Um, I, I, I feel like he's maybe a couple of years past his prime and whether Danny Martinez has the legs in him to do a three-week stage race at the top of the heap, I don't know. Um, 
the other thing we really haven't talked about is uh, what a tricky cal- what a tricky racing calendar uh, it is this fall because you've got the tour going on, but you also have some people who might skip the tour to do the classics that are going on at the same time. And then uh, is it the Giro or the Vuelta that overlaps with the very end of the tour? I think that it goes tour, worlds, and then the Giro. Okay, I, I, Giro, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be a DS this year. Let, yeah, just I think that. The, the Giro overlaps with the Welta. I think that's the overlap. Okay, and there and it's up in the air whether the Worlds will be held at all because Switzerland has announced that they're not uh, they're not going to allow mass gatherings. So uh, the UCI is scrambling, trying to find another place to hold them. Yeah, and I just heard today a rumor is uh, the Tuscan region of Italy. Yeah. So. That or that or Winnipeg. Yeah, <laughs> or Wauwatosa. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Bring them on in. Yeah. All right. This next question is for the whole group, and it's more names for me to butcher. Um, which one of these riders will finish the highest in the GC? Landa, Kofidis Martin, Adam Yates, Bardet, Port, or Malama? I thought Roman Bardet looked pretty good at the uh, at the Dauphiné. Uh, he's leaving at the he's leaving AG2R at the end of the year to go to uh, Sunweb. He's looked stronger going into the tour than he has than he did last year. When even last year, I guess he won the uh, the polka dot jersey, but that was kind of a, a consolation prize for him. So I'll go with Roman Bardet. All right, Matthew. How about you? Can you repeat that list for me, please? Sure, sure. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the, the yeah. Kofidis is the name of the team. So it's Kofidis' Martin. The guy, oh, oh, the oh I see. Okay, okay. So it's not the guy's first name. There's multiple Martins. There's too many okay, Martins. gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. Okay, uh, so you got Landa. Yeah. got Martin on the Kofidis team. That'd be Guillaume Martin, would it not? Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Showing <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, Adam Yates, Bardet, Port, and... Malama. Uh, and we're going for who's going to place the highest. Mm-hmm. Man, you know, to be totally honest, if he's on good form, I might put Port out there. I, I don't know how old he is now. You know, when he wrote it for Sky, he was he would have won the tour if it weren't for Froome. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that was a couple you know a couple few years ago. So uh, maybe he's kind of you know, losing a step here. So I'll go with Port. Yeah. Okay. Will, how about you? Um, I would say Landa, but L- Landa is a little bit weird in which he usually does really well and then loses five minutes, like, on one stage. And I feel like that's not good consistency. I think Bardet has been stronger going into the tour, but I don't know. He hasn't really shown it in the past few ones. Uh, Martin looked surprisingly strong in Dauphiné. You know, may- maybe this could be his uh, breakout year to try and do something. So you're picking Martin? Yes. Take Martin as well. He's come up from a small team to a slightly bigger team, and he's kind of a guy that me and Will have kind of cheered for because he shares your last name, Jim. Right. That's and, what I figured, uh, yeah. Spells it wrong, but whatever. Yeah. Jim, Jim Martin. And, uh, <laughs> and so we kind of cheer for the, the, the small teams, and this guy's come up from a small team, and he's, he doesn't knock anybody's socks off uh, with any big attacks, but he's able to follow. So I'll go with Martin as well. Okay. All right. Okay, well, moving on to the sprinters then. 
who do you think will win the most stages and who will win the green jersey? And we have some potential sprinters listed here. Uh, Sam Bennett, Caleb Ewan, Peter Sagan, Viviani, Nizzolo, and Christoph. Uh, let's see, I'll, I'll lead on this one. Okay. Last year, the, the sprinter, uh, the best sprinter was Caleb Ewan. The second best, best sprinter was probably Dylan Grunenweg, and he's probably going to be held out of the tour because he just was involved in a crash, and they blamed him for irregular sprinting, and he's probably going to be uh, reprimanded and not be able to do the tour. That being said, I don't think he was going to do the tour anyway because his team is going to be focused on GC. I will say Sam Bennett. Maybe Quick Step will focus on the sprints, and I'll take Sam Bennett. Okay. Will, why don't we stay in the family here? What do you, what do you got? For the okay. green jersey, uh, Sagan has been very consistent. I'll say him again. He's the only sprinter that's really able to go over hills, not mountains really, but hills that other sprinters can't. He can get the green, green points more than anyone else. For overall wins, I'd say Ewing again. He's been pretty consistent through the first half of this year. I feel like all the other sprinters haven't shown good form or aren't really uh i don't know i just don't feel it from them okay and uh matthew how about you you want to hear him again i'm pretty good at these <laughs> 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 <That's good. laughs> all right sam bennett caleb ewan peter sagan viviani nizzolo and christoph sagan's not the fastest but man is he snaky um he can he can get his way in there um He'll certainly probably be knocking on the top three more than anyone else. It depends what we're calling a sprint stage, right? A pure sprint stage, he might not be winning those. Personally, I'd like to see uh, uh, Giacomo Nizzolo win. Uh, you know, he was my teammate, and he's a good guy. So I'd love to see him win some stages. It, you know, I've, I was at some training camps with him. I've seen how hard he works. He deserves it. Yeah, good. All right. That's, what we, that's why we bring you in here. You know, we don't have all the inside information. So, <laughs> all right, Mitch, how about you? Well, first of all, I have to say I was thinking uh, Giacomo Nizzolo as well. I've just been reading that uh, that NTT is really just targeting stage wins. They don't have a they don't really have a GC guy this year, um, and Nizzolo would be uh, would be kind of an ideal person to be uh, to take uh, some stage wins. Uh, I think Peter Sagan will undoubtedly have the most second place finishes of anybody. He tends to be right up there in the sprints and come in second and gain all the points he needs to win the points jersey um and if you want me to be original and pick somebody else for most sprint wins i will uh i'll go with a nostalgic route and i'll choose uh elia viviani there you go he's on our list so you know that, that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> maybe edvald bosenhagen <laughs> cool name <laughs> yeah all right so uh moving out from the sprinters does anybody have any guesses uh who might target the king of the mountains jersey Julian Alaphilippe. <laughs> That's a good guess. The King of the Mountains jersey is the most hard to predict one. Kind of going along Mitch's lines, it'll be a Frenchman who is kind of a GC guy. And that could be Julian Alaphilippe. Last year was Bardet. Uh, Maybe Latour. Pierre Latour. That's not a bad guess. Will came up with that one. Maybe Maybe Tommy Vokler will come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think what Will said before, uh, Rafael Micah, he's good for the breakaways and uh, super strong. He he could be mixing it up for that one, maybe. Depends on the team's ambitions. 
Yeah. You know, a lot of times it's a team that doesn't have other ambitions, right? Doesn't have a sprinter, doesn't have a, doesn't have a GC guy, and they put all their eggs in that basket. Yeah. Yep. Are there any other names anybody wants to mention about anything? This is sort of the, uh, we're coming to the end here. So anything else you guys want to want to throw out there? Any ideas? Uh, Matt, uh, who, you talked about Giacomo Nizzolo that you knew him. Is there any GC guy from your past that you'd like to see come to the top? I think it'd be cool to see Richie Port do well. You know, he's had some hard luck and uh, be cool to see that team do well. Yeah, I'm sorry, Mitch. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, you know, we talked about uh, Guillaume Martin and uh, and Elia Viviani. They're both riding for Cafetis now. And um, I think one of the interesting subplots will be whether Cofidis can finally win a tour stage. It's been something like... 20 years is that could that possibly be it's some some very large number of years since Kofidis which has you know been a mainstay in the tour has actually won a stage but they had two guys who could really do it um I think Guillaume Martin could uh, could win a mountain stage or uh, or one of the one of the hillier stages anyway and Elia Viviani with a well-timed sprint could do it or they could continue to uh, be on their incredibly long run of bad luck yeah <laughs> All right, well, now we've come to the moment everybody's been waiting for, where you guys can pick your podium. Anybody want to go first on this one? I'll go with the odds maker's choice. I'll say Roglic. Roglic is kind of a late bloomer. He's looked really strong this year. Uh, he's beating Bernal, who looked like nobody could beat him last year. They're both banged up a little bit. I'll take Bernal in the second slot. And then in the third slot, I'll take Thibaut Pino from FDJ. Those are good ones. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, you want to take a shot at this? I was probably going to go with Roglic and, and Bernal. Pino's a good pick for third. I don't know. Maybe it's not his year. Third, I mean, I Richie think it could be a, What's that? Richie Port. Yeah, let's there go. There you go. <laughs> All right, Will, you ready yet, or you want to go to Mitch? You want to run a no? Davis? Make Will go. Make Will go. <laughs> no, no, make Mitch. Mitch. <laughs> All right, Mitch. Mitch, it's you. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go with Roglic as well. I'll go with Roglic, Dumoulin, and in a surprise because he always manages to ride himself into form over three weeks, Chris Froome. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Wow. That's, that's no Bernal at all. Bernal's just no Bernal, I'm not convinced Bernal is going to be in the race, but, uh, you know, Dave Brailsford is the Bill Belichick of DSs out there. So, uh, you know, he's got, he's got a nefarious plan, and it could be Ineos 1, 2, 3 for all I know. He's yeah, going to sure. deflate everybody's tires, deflate gate 2 or <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> And, again, for our listeners that might not know cycling, Chris Froome is a former four-time winner of the Tour. But he's got two things going against him. His age, he's getting up there. And then most significantly, last year before the tour, he got in a significant injury where it was doubtful that he was going to return to cycling, much less the top of the heap. And so if he would ride himself into form and get third place, I don't think many people are calling that other than Mitch. <laughs> That'd be kind of a would it be comeback rider of the year kind of uh, thing. Or All right, well, you're up. We've stalled long enough. I want to say some, some other people, but I can't really argue with uh, Roglic Bernal uh, Pinot. I, I, 
Give me five. <laughs> you know what, Chris? Chris, could you leave the room so we can get Will's real picks? You, yeah. you don't need to do this for him. <laughs> I could bring you more outlandish picks for fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, but I, I feel like the top three is unlocked. No unlock. He's calling a lock. Unlock. Get your bets in. <laughs> Will only does one lock a year. This is this, this is, is it. it. Yeah. Wow, we got it for free. We yeah, yeah. <laughs> usually, usually, as subscribers get that, you know, they got to pay money for it. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's it. I'm in. <laughs> Take my money. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you very much, panelists, for joining us tonight. I really appreciate you taking your time out to do this. It's been been fun again, informative for me because I know nothing. And I've started. I, I keep saying that, but after three times doing this now, I recognize Chris Froome's name and. And Viviani and, and Richie Port. I, I know these guys, Sagan. I, I didn't know Kofidis wasn't a first name, but I'm getting there, right? <laughs> 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 All right. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Will Byer, Chris Byer, Mitch Tyke, Matthew Boucher. Thanks a lot, guys. We really appreciate the time tonight. Thank you. Thanks so much. Take care, guys. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch podcast when we talk with former Fox Sports on-air personality for the Milwaukee Bucks and the Milwaukee Brewers, Jeff Grayson. 